Welcome to the Manager Matt podcast show. The show is designed to give you solutions to your day-to-day management and leadership problems. It's hosted by Matthew Haddock, a frontline manager and leader with over 25 years of experience. If you're ready, then let's get on with the show. Hi and welcome to the Manager Matt podcast show. This weekly show is designed to give you help and actual advice to improve your leadership and management skills. And of course, deliver the results you're after. Please make sure, if you haven't already, subscribe to the show so you don't miss any episode and share it with anyone you think might benefit from hearing this. Well, without any further delay, let's get on with this week's show. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's show. This week, I want to examine the fact that people don't get on with people. Whoa, shock, revelation. People don't get on with people. There's new news to us. Of course, we all think that everyone at work loves each other. We all think that everyone's aligned to our missions and our company. You know, we all know that every discussion inside the business or email sent is there just to make sure that we're pushing forward as a group and it's nothing to do with personalities or anything. Yeah, of course not. Of course, we live in the real world and all of us do, and especially as managers, we have to be ultra aware that people sometimes don't get on with people. Now, I'm not saying all the time, and I'm not saying people are at the throats of each other all the time either. That wouldn't make any sense in a business, would it? Most of the time, most people do get on with each other day to day, but there's always some level of clashes that happen within a business, which is absolutely normal because you're humans. If you think outside of work, we don't get on with everyone outside of work. That's just not going to be normal. And if we did, there'd be something particularly wrong with us if we got on with everyone all the time. But let's have a look at what I would think as the big three big areas where I think people clash at work. There might be more, but let's have a look at those ones, which I think there might be. And I, and I started with three and then I added another one. So I'm going to say we're going to have four areas where I think people really do clash. First one for me is around style. So style clash. And it's not normally dress sense, but a style clash in there. The second one is around a personal clash. So that's the person in there. Then there's a clash around roles and responsibility. And then the last one is around culture and a culture class clash even. So let's start with the first one, style. You know, everyone has their own style. And this is what I'm talking about in regards to people in general. So the way that they look, the way that they turn up, they've got a certain style about them. But also, if you're talking about people, they'll have a certain way. Some people are very, very laid back. It feels like they've just rolled out of bed sometimes when you talk to them. They're just so... Ah, so chilled and ah, nothing's to worry them. They don't seem to be a, a kind of a go in them. I mean, they've only got two speeds, slow and stop. You know, you've got that kind of person who's got that kind of style. And then obviously you've got the people who are always on it. Oh, boom, boom, firing it off things, you know. And those different styles mean that there can be a clash. Because if you're a person who's all up for energy, get things done, it's, it's all about sense of urgency, and you hit against someone who's very much a thinker and wants to work through it, then you've got a style 
clash in there. You've also got style in sometimes in time spent in the business. There can be a style of a person who's always been like that and it's worked for them for all them years, but maybe the business needs something different. And there's that style clash then between sometimes an individual and an organisation that's making a change. And you've got to be aware of this style when people come into an organisation because if you've got... um, they've all seen the Wall Street sort of films where everyone's high energy and shouting and there's tape everywhere and it's all about action. In that environment, a style of someone who's going to take a long time to study the data would definitely clash in that environment. But of course, behind the scenes, there'll be people who will be taking that approach, that slower approach to get things done because that's what they need to make sure that the rest of them can, can do it. So that's the first one, talk about style. And then linking into that, you've got personal clashes. So this is about the ego. Now, we all think that we don't have an ego, but you're all wrong because we all have egos. You know, that that's the thing that every person has. And some people will say it's a quite a small ego. Others have very, very big egos. And that can be very hard when it comes to um, to working with people because if you've got someone with an, a, a very big ego, you've got to know that they're going to clash with someone who hasn't or someone who has a big ego and somebody else who has a big ego, you're definitely going to have a big ego clash there. And I, I believe I've said ego about eight times in that sentence. So here's the ninth one, ego. Um, but what does that actually mean? You know, when you talk about it, we all know there is some people who are dicks. Yes, I've said it. There are some people who are dicks and that's normally to do with an ego clash between yourself and them. 95% of those is around that. And it can be really a misunderstanding because what comes out as ego is actually sometimes around someone having a real pride in what they do, wanting to get things done. Um, It can be protective ego put around them a bubble almost so I'm going to use my ego my my way because that's the way that people expect me to be seen in this role a lot of historic egos you know if you're going to be the manager you're going to have to do this because you can't be vulnerable you can't show those things you've got to be able to know everything so a big ego protects you in that regard but people do clash with egos. You can be people very have a very small ego, uh, hit up against a, a big ego, or actually the two egos going at each other. Usually alpha, I'm not saying male or female, because you can have alpha in my mind on both sides, but you can have these two alphas all wanting to play this game of who's the biggest this and who's the biggest that. And you've got to be aware of that as a leader, because if your team has people with big egos, you've got to be able to get them together and understand that big picture of how do these egos, which have got them there, really support future and going forward. Then we're on to the fourth part, roles and responsibilities in your business. So who does what, where and when? You know, this can be really unclear in some organisations because in the lower levels of a business, it's very clear. I come at this time and I do this and I take a break at this time, then I go and I do this. But in other roles, especially when you get to senior leaders, there's less distinction. You know, this is this is the difference in leadership. As the higher you go, you end up with the fact that some people will cross out of their lanes. And that can cause a lot of clash. Because, you know, if you're running a department and you're clear about what you've got to do to deliver for the big picture and somebody else keeps coming into that department and making changes, it becomes a problem. You clash. And it's usually around the fact that the roles and responsibilities are not clear. Now, don't get me wrong. I would expect every SLT member, senior leadership team member, to know what is best to get the results of the whole team. And I'd expect them to jump in whenever we needed a, a, an extra pair of hands to get that thing done. But that can become 
more and more annoying if it's in the day-to-day, not just when you've got an emergency. Because if you're leading a, a supply chain team, the last thing you want is your technical person always coming in and trying to change things. There's got to be a, a workaround. They've got to work collaborative on there. But the roles and responsibilities, which are blurred, can cause a problem. And that's usually what you find in any clash. It's a blurred line, and you start to find the fact that people don't really know what their roles and responsibilities is. And what you will do is you'll get people challenging, oh, I wish he'd just do his own job and not try and do mine, or I wish he'd, you know, I wish she'd not get involved in that because it's nothing to do with us. She mustn't have enough to do in her own time. It's probably, and, and my experience, not probably, is that they actually want to do well. They're not doing it to really um, great people. They're doing it because they can see that they can improve it, but they can do it. A different way and if you get a person with a role and responsibility linked with their ego you can have a heck of a lot of problems getting that department sorted and usually you have to really work hard to get those people to change the ways it's doable uh, but it's pretty tough going to get that happen and the last one on my list is cultural clash the way we do things around here that's what my de- definition of culture is and this is a big clash because when it comes to you know into a bit you're becoming into a new business or a new department the first thing you'll probably hear is the culture in this business is to do this the culture is the core of what that to, that that business needs to or that department does so if you're going in there either moving from one department to another or basically coming into a new business the biggest clash you'll find is cultural clash especially when you've been Um, designed to go in there and make changes because if you've been given the job of making changes you're going to have to challenge the culture because the culture isn't working and if you've been designing or want to or need to do changes to that culture you are going to hit up against some barriers in there usually because people they like the way that works they you know you, you haven't really got a lot of advocates who want to change if the culture works when you start chipping around the edges and you've spent a bit of time with the team you do find that people will be um, advocates of change but there's a lot of times where that change in culture is one of the biggest things you're going to clash over and i saw it massively when uh, the bank got taken over back in 2009 uh, 10 that i worked for uh, hboss before it became part of the lloyd's banking group and their cultural differences between lloyd's and hboss were massive and a great deal of team members i knew and, and me included had to leave that business because the culture was was such a big change and it just didn't work not saying either was right not saying either culture worked both at one point were very profitable uh, just that lloyd's were the ones who were on the right side of what happened and HBOS wasn't so the culture had to change massively and it meant that the the people they needed probably was their own because when you do make big changes in culture you sometimes need to parachute in more people who are going to be on the side of the cultural change to make it happen so those are my thoughts on where clashes really happen some of the take-homes style obviously that's around how we can build a team with the right style so you know there is going to be people that you are going to bring in who will have different styles and you'll need that. So although I'm saying these are clashes, you might need to bring someone in with a different style to your team to strengthen it if you've got too many in one position. So that's an idea of knowing your team and all these are about knowing your team and knowing where their strengths and where their improvement areas are. When it comes to personal clashes, that's taking the ego down a bit. That's making sure these people don't need to put these barriers up to protect themselves by using their ego. They are confident to be skillful and do their jobs without putting the barrier of egos around them. Uh, when it comes to roles and responsibility, very much 
the manager needs to set that direction. What are those people's roles and responsibilities? What do you tolerate people moving out of their lanes? And how those people move out, do they really understand what they do when they come out of the lanes? Does the technical manager know that the warehouse person isn't happy or the supply chain person isn't happy? Does the marketing person know that the salesperson shouldn't really be dragged into this and, and they know their own areas? But that's also about getting together and trying to look at the skills in that team and where they can add value to drive the business forward. And the last one which we touched on, or I touched on, was around culture. Can you have a cultural clash? which makes a massive difference going forward in your business because it can really cause some problems. And culture is everything. So when you're going to look at changing the culture, it's a big, big move to change the culture. You can do it in small pieces, you can do it in big pieces, but culture and cultural clashes, you can become very isolated as a new manager or a manager coming into a department when the culture in that department is so set in its way. So you've got to be really well aware of that. Well, that's the four areas where I feel most clashes happen inside work. Now, I know you can subgroup them and find other ways in it, but I think those are the four big ones where cultural clashes will happen. And as a leader, you've got to be aware of them, build plans in to address some of them uh, and be very open to the timelines for those changes because it will take time to move some of those on. And people being people, there'll always be areas where they might see clashes. Well, thanks for listening. And as always, I'm keen to hear your thoughts on the show, both good and bad. So please send me your feedback as it's a gift to managementpodcast at gmail.com. Answer all the emails myself and would love to engage on new and old topics. And before we go, remember, put what you've learnt into action because you don't get nothing for nothing. Right, that's it for Management this week. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to this Manager Matt podcast. We hope you found it interesting, helpful and actionable. One last thing, please leave a quick review on iTunes or with your podcast provider as it helps to spread the word of Manager Matt. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the podcast and if you did like anything in particular, send an email to managermattpodcast at gmail.com or visit managermatt.co.uk for more content. Feedback is a gift. So let's keep giving. See you next week.